Welcome to Beyond Politics, broadcast on WKXL, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matt Robeson. Most people are not too focused on political polls these days. You know, the way we all become experts right before election time. But insiders are keeping a close eye on what the best public polling is saying about the political environment, what Americans are paying attention to, and the emerging dynamic that could affect the midterm elections in 2022. One of the very best polls in New Hampshire is the St. Anselm College Survey Center poll. The executive director of the New Hampshire Institute of Politics at St. Anselm, who runs that particular poll, is Neil Levesque. He and I go back a long way. He is a political expert and hot off the presses in his hands right now. He has the most recent poll from St. Anselm's, and it's packed with some really interesting nuggets, insights on what's on people's minds, how some of the hottest congressional races in the country in 2022 are shaping up since they're going to be happening in New Hampshire, and how Americans generally are feeling these days and how that's going to affect the agenda of everything we do in this country, because we all know that New Hampshire is an excellent barometer for the rest of the country. Neil, welcome back to Beyond Politics. Well, thank you, Matt. I'm happy to be back and happy to be on the show today. Yeah, the poll is rather interesting. You know, these things are always uh, moving. Americans are always thinking of different things, and we're capturing that with this poll um, of New Hampshire voters. And you're right, New Hampshire has always been a very good bellwether. That's why it's it's like a micro uh, examination of the nation when you do a New Hampshire poll. It's much easier to do a New Hampshire poll and get accurate reads than it is sort of to do a national poll. Uh, but I think some of the things that we discovered in the in this poll kind of uh, are we're seeing nationwide and could be indicators of what happens nationally in the future. And let me just set the stage for our listeners here. You know, most most people, when they experience political polling, they do it in the context of the run up to an election and they're really focused on the horse race. So is the media, by the way. They're, they're really interested in who's going to win an election. But political experts, uh, government and public policy experts, people who care about current affairs, people like you who run this kind of polling, you're looking for something a little bit different when you do a poll at, at this point in the political cycle. What are you trying to get a handle on? What are you trying to learn when you look at a poll like this? Well, we're, you're right. We're not necessarily looking at who's going to win an election in, a, in the, the, the distant future. Um, but we are looking at trends in the way that people are thinking about certain things. Now, a couple of things about polling. You know, if you're a candidate for office or if you're deciding you're going to be a candidate, really, the first thing you should do is do a poll so you understand where the electorate is. Uh, you know, if you're selling widgets, before you start selling widgets, you should do a poll to figure out where your customers are and how you're going to communicate with them. It's the same in business as it is in politics. And a lot of people will say, well, polling's really been off. You know, it's been terrible. People are screwing up polling. And I can't speak for other polls, but I can tell you that our polling was spot on in the 2020 election. Um, we have an A-plus rating with an organization called 538. Um, we, uh, uh, we don't necessarily weigh our different age groups of voters the way that some national media outlets want us to. And that's why a lot of the times you won't see us on the national news networks. But we are proud of the fact that 
We were able to pick races and we are able to, we think, successfully sort of gauge the attitude of voters as we did in this poll. And I can say, and you can too, I mean, we both have a background as staffers for members of Congress and associated with congressional campaigns and public polling, as well as private polling done for candidates, done for members of Congress, is influential in the way that politicians think about the agenda, the issues that they're going to tackle and how they talk about them for the remainder of a congressional term or for the remainder of an election cycle. And so looking at the kinds of things you're finding here can really give you some insights into what's going to be on the minds of our elected leaders. All right, having set the the, the, the stage um, about as much as we can, um, it, it seemed like that the big top level story, the first thing that jumps out from your more recent poll, your most recent poll, is this question of what's biggest on voters' minds, what's most salient right now, especially when it comes to COVID versus other concerns. So what did you find? Well, that's where this poll really is a game changer. And I think it's very interesting. So obviously we have all been dealing with COVID-19 for quite some time now. And it seems like in the past couple of weeks, you know, the masks have come off. We've been going, getting reservations at restaurants, meeting with friends and family. And as a result, only 13% of people believe now that COVID-19 is a, is a top concern. Now, why is this important? Well, uh, the president and the administration and the, some members of co uh, Congress, particularly the Democratic Party, have really focused on the fact that COVID relief is where they're going to get to the next election. We solved COVID. We did it successfully. The previous administration, let's say, didn't. And so uh, celebrate by sending us a vote. And oh, by the way, we did these massive CARES Acts which kept everything floated in business. Uh, nobody starved to death during this period of time. This is where we're at. So the Democrats have put their money on all of this. And now we're seeing that COVID-19 is not a top concern. And we're seeing other issues that are sort of contrary to what the Democrats have decided to do moving forward as top concerns. Let me just show you a couple of things, 22%. That's twice as much, really, than, than care about COVID, believe that government spending is a top concern. That is a huge number that they're concerned about government spending. Now, remember, again, all of the messaging, all of the sort of pumping out of Washington in this administration is we're going to spend this money. We're going to spend more money. We're going to spend more money, and it's going to help you. But now we see as the top issue government spending. Now, there's other issues as well. 18% um, care, believe the top issue is climate change. 20% uh, believe in Ill, uh, illegal immigration is a top concern. And then 20% believe that uh, lowering health care costs or the price of health care is a top concern. So that's, up, that's pretty close to that government spending number. Uh, and healthcare is is tends to keep rearing its head. It doesn't seem to go away, while some of these others do. That's really interesting. So the picture you you paint, both in your write up about the poll and 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 as you kind of run through the results here, is that as the public turns its attention to issues where Joe Biden and the Democratic Party are less strong, his approval rating 
is beginning to go down and you're beginning to see disadvantaged Democrats advantage Republicans. Is that right? That's correct. And so, you know, as he um, pushes for more spending, this big infrastructure bill, as he celebrates the three CARES acts, uh, you know, one of obviously was one that uh, he, he successfully passed. You have 83% of voters now, this is a huge number, 83% are worried about inflation. That is trouble for the party in power. Uh, we haven't thought and been concerned about inflation for many, many years, probably since 1980. But right now, people are putting gas in their gas tanks. It's costing them a lot more money. Uh, food is costing them a lot more money. Forget about buying some two by fours and doing some construction because that's in, you know, in the stratosphere as far as costs go. And so with inflation being at about 5% so far this year, that's a top concern and that's big. Um, another big one, which I think also is contrary to uh, some of the messaging that the Democrats are, are pushing is 77% are worried about the national debt. Now, there are some very, um, very good people who are elected who have been concerned about the national debt and have been sort of talking about it until they're blue in the face. And uh, it's, it's really fallen on, on silent ears. In fact, if you look at the Trump administration, uh, the Republican Party in that case was spending wildly. If you look, obviously, in the current Biden administration with COVID and the CARES acts, the spending is, is again, uh, not a concern for them, but it is for voters. And that's of great interest to us as well. That's really interesting. You know, it reminds me when I was in grad school, I had two uh, good friends from China who uh, got married. And uh, at their wedding, a friend of theirs offered a toast with a little bit of advice for the newly married couple. He said, look, here's how you navigate disagreements in a marriage. In big arguments, the wife should do what the husband wants. Basically, the husband wins the big arguments. In the small arguments, the husband should do what the wife wants. The wife wins the small arguments. And then the third rule is that the wife always gets to choose which kind of argument you're having, which is, of course, the punchline. Really, the wife should win all the arguments. We all agreed with that good, good marital advice. But it, it is interesting kind of in the context of what you're saying here, which is that you're seeing these issues that are rising in the public's mind. And you're, you're hearing about they're reinvigorated or they're invigorated for the first time. Inflation, spending, the debt things that Republicans are talking about. On the other side, you have Democrats saying, no, 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 no. The argument we should be having here is about the cost of healthcare. It's about the recovery from COVID and the economic recovery that goes with it. So, I mean, to, to sort of boil it down, would it be fair to say that as we look out a year from now to the next big national election, that if the argument we're having is about debt, if it's about inflation, if it's about spending, then that's, that's an argument that the Republicans are winning. They are set up for success in that election. If the argument we're having is about, gosh, we got to bring the cost of healthcare down and we need to finish the job of recovering from this awful pandemic and economic recession, then advantage Democrats. That's exactly right. And so that's why we're really taking a look at this. And it may not be fair in all cases. 
we're taking a lot of things and lumping them in big sort of issue piles. And, you know, Republicans under Trump spent a lot of money, so it's not really fair. But one of the factors we see in politics is when you're the party in power, uh, you get tagged with the good and you get tagged with the bad. And a lot of times, you know, you're all on the same ship. And if the ship starts to take on a little water, um, you're in that group and, and you're going to start to feel it. And I think that's exactly why we saw other results through the poll where Democrats were overall sort of slipping in the polls. We saw that in the generic ballot uh, where they're down about 7%. Now, let me just clarify what that is. is say in the next election, are you interested in, if you're going to vote for Congress, would you vote for a Republican or a Democrat? And so that's the generic. You're not attaching- No names attached. You're not attaching that, that neighbor that's running for Congress that you like. And so it's very generic. And that's down seven points. And then our congressional delegation numbers are down between three and 5% each. So again, party in power, whether fair or not, uh, tends to sink as sort of all kinds of things get attached to them. And we're seeing some of that, you know, illegal immigration is, is another 20% people are concerned about this. But if, you, if you're watching television, there's a lot of focus right now on the illegal immigration and the Biden administration. And they're sort of caught between two different things. You know, they, they want to celebrate immigrants that are coming here and they don't want to necessarily discourage them. They don't want to be inhumane, but at the same time, they can't, they can't demonstrate that they're not uh, enforcing their own laws. And so they're caught in that issue as well. I'd like to ask from your own political experience, as well as your longstanding experience as the head of a, a politics institution, an academic institution that studies politics and now administers this A plus really well done poll. It's always been kind of an interesting question of, well, where does the public interest in something come from? Is it in any way kind of bottom up? Is it people's real lived experience that then bubbles its way up to elected leaders? Or is it the other way around? Is it that elected leaders kind of say, you know, it's a big problem. And then that gets, that gets repeated in the media. And then people hear it and they reflect it back to pollsters like you guys and say, you know what I heard is a really big problem. I, I think no further than the presidential campaign of John McCain the first time around in 1999. I recall that the polling at the time showed that his focus on campaign finance reform had a really substantial impact on the amount that the public saw that as a, as a critical issue in America. At the start of his presidential campaign, it ranked incredibly low as something like 25th on a list of priorities. By the time he had made his run through the primaries, people were ranking it second or third on priorities facing America. So, I mean, to what degree do you think that these, these increases, you're finding 77% are, are worried about inflation now. Inflation hasn't been an issue in this country for more than two decades. Do you, does this tell you that there's, there's a bottom-up dynamic that goes on with how the public prioritizes issue, issues, or is this a top-down dynamic? Well, I think it's both. I hate to not put a sort of degree of uh, one way or the other to this. And I that's think good that, politics waffling right. there, though. That's <laughs> I, a plus for that. <laughs> um, you know, I think anger and frustration a lot of times 
comes from you're going to the grocery store, you're loading your cart, and, and you're finding out that things are a lot more expensive and you don't have the money that you used to have, but everybody else seems to be, you know, having a lot of money and, and it's frustrations like that that bubble up. But also, you're right. If you watch certain news outlets, you'll get sort of tainted in that, in that news um, sort of cycle of the news. And so in, in relation to that, um, I turn on all the different news stations because I like to get a feel for all the different networks and what they're promoting. So I'll, I'll just tell you right now that Fox News spends a lot of time talking about the failures of the Biden administration on the immigration and on the border. They ask uh, Vice President Harris, are you gonna go to the border? She doesn't really have a good answer for it. And it just sort of continues on and on and on all day long. So if you're someone who watches Fox, you're going to sort of start to think that those are major issues that are gonna affect your life. Now here in New Hampshire, of course, Maybe the immigration does affect our lives to some degree, but it's certainly not as pronounced as it would be in some place like Texas. So it's interesting, but you hear we're testing people in New Hampshire and one out of every five believe that their top concern is Ill illegal immigration here in New Hampshire. So um, it's, it's, it's an interesting, they're getting it from someplace. Right. And yeah, that does seem to be some powerful evidence. They're getting it from someplace. Right. So, you know, I, just to kind of connect a dot on that, it, it's interesting. It really jumped out to me, your finding in this poll, that people are pretty darn pessimistic about that. It's the, it's the classic polling right track, wrong track question. It, do you think that more or less the country is going in the right direction or not? And you find in this poll that the, the number of people who think that our country is on the wrong track has basically achieved the same level that it was at pretty darn high right before the election. And what's weird about that is that by most conventional measures, we're doing a lot better as a country than we were six months or 12 months ago. Certainly when it comes to the big items like the economy and COVID job loss, the number of people filing for unemployment, and yet the country is extremely pessimistic. What do you make of that finding? I have never understood this actually, and it's and it's it baffles me because you're right. If you look out there, we have record unemployment. Uh, people are earning money. Uh, they can borrow money when they want to for cheap. Um, we have just gotten through this amazing one-year uh, COVID situation. One year, you know. Remember. Back a year ago, they were saying it could be years before we were cured of this. I don't remember anything that happened during the blip. I just remember that Thanos snapped his fingers and then all of a sudden, like, I was back. Yes, it was perfect. And so, you know, things should be good. And yet we find that 59% of New Hampshire voters believe that the country is on the wrong track. That's up from a low that we saw of that same number of 55. So you're right. Pessimism is something that's always in the American electorate. It's amazing. We never, we always look back into previous time and say, that was the good old days. But when you polled during those good old days, everybody or the majority of people were saying, yeah, the country's on the wrong track. So it's, it's a really interesting number. I don't know you know, let's say that you're in the Biden administration right now 
And, and basically, you've got record vaccination rates. People are out and about again. The economy is humming. People didn't starve to death during a pandemic. Uh, things are relatively very good. The economy is booming. We're not at war. I mean, I can go on and on, right? So, I mean, you sit, you sit there at the White House chief of staff and you say, what else could we do? Maybe they didn't have a good explanation for the UFO theory, but maybe they could have done a little better with that. But there's not much you can do. And that it's a, it's a very, you and I have both been in this situation when you're uh, in the sort of power seat and there's nothing you can do. You're in this washing machine going around and you can claim that there's, you know, all these great things happening and people are still mad and frustrated and disgruntled. Yeah, we've both gone through it at different points in our career where we're working for a politician who's caught up in that, in that wash cycle, right? And it's like, whatever, whatever it is on the washing machine, you know, like gyrate, whatever the setting is, and you're just kind of getting tossed around by that. And you, you end up in this unenviable position of essentially saying to the public, who are you gonna believe, me or your lion eyes? Because something in their environment, whether it's the news media or whether it's their lived experience going to the grocery store, like you said, and finding that eggs cost 80 cents more than they did a few months ago, something is telling them that things are, are way off. So I wanna bring it kind of full circle to what you were saying a, a moment ago. Obviously you gave the caution, look, don't use this poll to try and predict what's gonna happen in the elections of November, 2022, too far out. It's a snapshot to what's happening right now in time. But you did allude to sort of the dominant political theory of the Democratic Party, which for the past six months has been, we have to focus like a laser beam on COVID and the, therefore the economy. We fix that, everything else becomes possible. We don't fix that. You might as well pack up and go home. It sounds like what you're saying is, look, voter memories are short. So if your theory is, yeah, that's sort of the price of admission for anything else, sure, maybe. But if you're a Democrat figuring all you got to do is get us out of the pandemic and get the economy tilting back up in the right direction, and a year and a half from now, voters are going to give you credit, you've got another thing coming. You're, you would be in trouble. And so with 13% believing that COVID is a top concern, you know, remember that we're we're in June right now. So in a year, candidates are actually signing their names at the Secretary of State's office saying that they're going to run. We're a year just from that. And then another six months until the election in November. So that is a lot of time. Think about a year and a half in the in the span of COVID. No one had heard about it in January 2021 or 2020. And no one had heard about it. No one knew what it was. Look how it's changed our lives. So Big issues can develop, but also you're right. Voters can forget very quickly. I remember uh, the biggest example of this was 1992 when Mario Cuomo decided he wasn't going to run against Bush. Bush had a 72% approval rating because of the war uh, had ended and, you know, no one was going to take him on. And Bill Clinton said, well, I think I'll try. And uh, he took him on and that 72% approval rating no one had had memory of the war during the 92 election. It was all, it's the economy, stupid. And so things, uh, it's not fair. Voters uh, don't have necessarily a long memory and they will uh, toss you out if they don't see that you're part of their future. You, 
all caveats that we said before the break, understood. This is a snapshot in time. There's nothing about what you're finding in this race that is necessarily, in races, in this poll, that's necessarily going to hold all the way through to November, 2022. But you were finding, with all that said, your findings now are significant. They're going to be on the minds of our elected officials. They're telling us kind of what direction things are, are heading in. And without all said, it's not good news for elected officials in New Hampshire. What did you find? Well, what we found is that voters' uh, issues uh, that they're dealing with tend to, um, they believe will be better solved with Republicans. And so therefore, again, that seven point drop with the generic Democrat or Republican ballot, who are you gonna pick for Congress, a Democrat or Republican, has gone down 7% with a little bit more cushion for the New Hampshire delegation with a drop of between three and five points each. So again, they are Democrats, Biden administration, Democrats. And so with the party in power slightly slipping in the polls, so does the delegation. And so you have Shaheen at a 47-45, that's 47 positive, 45 negative. But keep in mind, that sounds like it's really close. Polling in New Hampshire, is so tight anyway, just so everyone knows, you never see something like a 90-10. It's always been tight. The country is very divided and there's no exception here in New Hampshire. Uh, you see Pappas, Congressman from the first district, 42 to 39, uh, three points spread there. He always has a little bit of a buffer. Uh, and a lot of that could be with the fact that he's from a well-known family that is a it, it's the most popular restaurant in new hampshire i believe the puritan back room he owns it everyone goes there i'm no exception to that by the way i'm there quite a bit and people know him as this local guy uh you know he's not as local as sort of adam sandler <laughs> you know is he from manchester yes but he is very well known and i think that he's always had this buffer because of that and in the second congressional district which goes from pittsburgh to nashua you have Custer with a 44 to 41 buffer, a four point bump there. She's never really polled very well, but to her credit, she wins elections. So uh, it's an interesting thing. I'd rather win elections than do well in polls, but the voters never seem to be super enthusiastic like they do with somebody like Shaheen. Shaheen's always had really good numbers. It's almost like people really know her and for whatever reason, she's broken through and created sort of a personality with voters. And that shines through. Not so much with Custer. Now I say- Oh, go on, please. I saved Senator Hassan for last. And um, her numbers are 43 positive, 49 negative. Okay, so they in polling, they call that that she's upside down or underwater. Now, um, there's a lot of things to talk about here. The first is, is that she's on the ballot in a year and a half, that the election could be one of the biggest in American history as far as the US Senate goes, because we have a 50-50 Senate and they're looking for the, the Republicans are looking for the seats that they think that they can turn over. If Hassan in this poll would indicate a 43-49 spread, that she's, she's upside down, that that would seem that she's vulnerable. 
And so therefore they are going to take much more of an interest than they ever have, which means a lot of money. Now, what have we seen so far? Right now, these super PACs are spending huge amounts of money on our local television station, WMUR-TV, uh, to a degree where in the ad buying business, they call it, you know, that, that they're on heavy. So every five minutes or three minutes or something like that, there's an ad from a different special interest group promoting Senator Hassan. And that's because most likely they have the same numbers that we do and that they are looking at it and saying, we're going to spend some money now heavy to try to get her numbers up. And if they do that, then she'll be less vulnerable and then there'll be less likely of an interest for other strong candidates to oppose her. And maybe she just comes up above the water and they sort of save her now rather than later. Um, and so they're bringing up her numbers. Now here's the, the problem with that. If you look at those ads, they're being run on an issue of that she worked us through COVID. She's working to spend this money. You got a check. Your grandmother got a check. Support Senator Hassan. So when we look at that, knowing what the ads are, and we compare it to what the issues are of interest in New Hampshire, where people are worried about the national debt, people are worried about inflation, and people now are, are the top issue of their concern is government spending. That's interesting because it doesn't mesh with the message of those ads. So, so presumably, they're seeing the same thing you're finding in your polling, which is that there's a, at least the numbers say there's a vulnerability there, but something in their polling is suggesting to them a different messaging strategy, a different advertising strategy than your polling would suggest. And my guess to that, and this is only a guess, is that they do polling, let's say a month and a half ago, they come up with a set of conclusions, they create television ads, which takes a little bit of time. You can turn them around rather quickly, but if you want a really well-constructed ad, you've got to get the right people in it, et cetera, et cetera. Background check everything. Um, it takes a little bit of time. And look and think about how fast. I would say in the last month, we've gone from wearing masks to people going out to dinner on Friday night with no mask anywhere to be seen. So things have dramatically changed on the COVID front. And that's what we're seeing in this poll. I believe that, that they're just slightly behind the time and that they may shift to other issues as we move forward. That'll be a really interesting thing to watch for and, and, and a sign that your poll is, is maybe ahead of the curve of where the last batch of polling within Senator Hassan's political operation may have been. And of course, I wanna mention the 800 pound elephant is, is elephant the right animal metaphor in this, in this regard. You know, I alluded before to, it's not all good news for most of the politicians in New Hampshire, but not all. You find that the governor is in a commanding position in terms of his own popularity. And you were alluding before to the example of Mario Cuomo in 1992, seeing 72% approval rating for then president George H.W. Bush and saying, Oh, the water does not look too inviting. I'm not jumping into it. The opposite could be kind of true here. It's kind of like Jack Kemp used to say, weakness is provocative. If you were looking at this, does, does, does the mismatch in the polling numbers that you're finding here between Senator Hassan and Governor Sununu suggest 
that Governor Sununu has an opportunity to, to go do what all the national Republicans want him to do and jump into this race. I think it does. And I think that it's, it, you know, when you're showing her being vulnerable and, and hit our numbers for Sununu are 68 positive, 30 negative. So I mentioned how you never see 90, 10 in, in polls. That's uh, in the stratosphere as far as somebody. So Sununu has record numbers of people who are uh, giving him high marks and then a potential for the U.S. Senator, incumbent Senator being slightly vulnerable. Uh, that's a tough combination. And so again, they're running these ads because they want to bring her numbers up, make it less likely that he would jump into a race that, you know, wasn't uh, to his advantage. And, um, you know, I think it's going to be very tempting for him to get in with those kinds of numbers. So I'll say a couple of things. I think that Senator Hassan uh, was the governor of New Hampshire. She's U.S. Senator. She's a talented campaigner. She knows the issues. So you've got this whole thing working for her. She's an incumbent. So she can raise vast amounts of money. And there are groups out there, as we're seeing right now, that are willing to come in and spend tons of money in New Hampshire to sort of remind voters of what where she stands. Uh, that being said, that when Sununu, and if Sununu were to jump in the US Senate race, he goes from the guy who's having the weekly press conference on COVID-19, talking about masks, how many people are in hospitals, how you, you and your family can get through this, to he's the guy that stands on this national issue that's on the opposite side of you. So as a national candidate, things change. So he, um, you know, he's, these, these advertisements that are running pro-Hassan, they're not running negative ads against Sununu. So things could change if and when he becomes a candidate, which again, the, the longer he becomes the popular governor and the less he is the candidate running against Hassan, uh, the better advantage he is. And that's why I think he's put off until the fall about saying whether or not he's going to run. Oh, that's a really interesting insight. And of course, we've seen that dynamic before. It's a very different thing to be the chief executive of a state, to be in the position that Governor Sununu occupies, and to be a congressional, a Senate candidate, where you get thrust into the middle of highly polarizing issues. And I think you were alluding before to the fact that New Hampshire, like everywhere else, is highly polarized. And so it sounds like what you're saying is the caution here the thing to, to look for here is, will you see an erosion in that that shine that's on Governor Sununu if he does get pulled into that national polarized political conversation? And I think that that's going to definitely be the case. And I think that a lot of times when people line up with their parties and New Hampshire lately has seen that there's always sort of a slight edge to the Democrats, slightly. And if and if she were to say, you know, you got to stick with me, Democrats and independents, I think that uh, she would, you know, she's got the advantage on the home field, essentially. But again, we don't know if, if Sununu is going to run for this seat. We don't know the effect that these ads are going to take. And we don't know, looking forward, what the big issue a year from now is going to be. Speaking of the big issue... It, it did strike me. It was sort of the, the last, when, when you put together your, your summary, which was really informative um, of all of the, the numbers that are in your poll, the very last item you touched on is it was sort of an Steve Jobs when he did big announcements. He would get to the end and he would save 
like a, a really tantalizing bomb for the end. And he'd say, by the way, well, you have a little by the way toward the end here where you talk about the cost of healthcare is still a potent political issue. And you alluded before to the economy stupid, that famous haiku that James Carville came up with as part of the Bill Clinton campaign. The end of that haiku was, don't forget healthcare. You seem to be suggesting that the cost of healthcare, the voter interest in healthcare, and the, the salience and, and the association that people have with the Democratic Party on the issue of healthcare could be a really important factor in, in shaping the public mindset in the months ahead. So all the eggs right now are in the COVID basket for Democrats. And moving forward, if they were to put that into the cost of healthcare and solving that problem, where they tend to win, they tend to win on healthcare, I think that that would be to their advantage. And if you take the numbers, 13% are concerned about COVID and 20% are concerned about the cost of healthcare, you see that there's a real winner there. And so I'm hinting at that. I think that that's something moving forward that if, if they can figure out a way to really own the issue and potentially have a solving solution to the problem and advocate that with the voters and, and put that out there, I think that they would win on that issue. But at, at the current rate, if we're talking about the national debt, we're talking about inflation, I think uh, it's trouble for them. I wanna run by you. We did a show on a, a it's a it's a it's a focused program that we run as part of the Beyond Politics shows. You can hear it on WKXL. It's part of the Great Ideas podcast. We did a show, an interview with a communications expert who also focuses on healthcare for the Washington, D.C. think tank Third Way. They're a moderate Democratic aligned Democratic Party, not you know political theory aligned think tank. And the argument that that expert put forward was you know, Democrats and really Republicans who, who want to be politically successful should really be focused like a laser beam on the issue of the cost of healthcare and specifically that they should be advocating for capping the total cost of, of healthcare that any individual family has to pay. It's something that was already done as part of the uh, American Rescue Plan just for people who get their healthcare through the Obamacare exchanges. And she said, look, if Democrats in this case would make it their top priority to expand that cap, that limit on how much your family would ever have to pay for healthcare more broadly to every American, that that would be a hands down winner, something that's super salient, to American families, a, a real winner um, as, a, as a communications issue, and a heck of a lot better than the kinds of policy proposals that Democrats have put together in recent years that really focus on expanding coverage to everybody, like Medicare for all, which voters tend to see as more spending, more debt, and a lot of benefits going to people who aren't them. So in light of the findings of your polling, what do you make of that? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of hoping and, and hearing that your polling sort of supports that whole idea. It does support it. I think that, you know, when 20% of the people believe that that's the top concern and you actually have a solution, you're right, Medicare for all, it's sort of something, it's more of a yesterday term and it wasn't necessarily a winner. I think that if you had sort of something that voters could understand and grasp, I think most voters probably are concerned that they may get into trouble if their son or daughter got sick and they couldn't pay those numbers. You know, the, some of the 
exorbitant amounts of money that are required um, and there was protection against that, it would be a winner. I think you're right. I think right now, though, what the Biden administration is dealing with, whether fair or unfair, is, you know, Green New Deal, defund the police, uh, a lot of the issues relating to sort of wokeness and all of that, illegal immigration, you know, the, the all of the, what's happening down on the border, or it's not happening. We don't, you know, who knows? But this seems to be the focus of a lot of people. And those are not necessarily winners for that for the party. So I think that trying to say, okay, COVID, good, we got through this. What are we going to do next for you voters to solve some of the problems that you care about? I think that that would be a winner. Well, and it seems like if nothing else, one of the takeaways from your poll is just from a messaging standpoint, the Republican Party has in many ways been more successful in the last six months than the Democratic Party. You can see it in what voters are saying is top of mind. And we've come off of a look, there was an insurrection in under the Capitol Dome. And there was this massive it's it's hard to to know how to characterize the event where you had 138 Republican members of the House essentially vote to overturn the results of the election. And it seems like none of that has stuck to the brand of the Republican Party. And it's the Democratic Party and their issue agenda that's begun to slowly slide down in the minds of New Hampshire voters. And the other factor is, is that President Trump is not front and center every single day on Twitter or sort of commanding the news. And so the Republicans have become that alternative with no sort of personality attached to them. So if you don't like what's happening with Biden, you go to that alternative. And so I think that you're right about that. I think, um, uh, you know, there's there, the Trump factor is a huge one. The January 6th thing seems to be a distant memory as well, uh, whether fair or unfair. And when are these, some of these folks come to trial, maybe that will change because they're going to, that's going to be the broadcast. Who, who told you to go storm the Capitol while I was doing what the president wanted? You know, those kinds of news articles. But you're right, right now, uh, you know, the, the party in power is getting tagged with these issues and, and, it's, uh, and, it, and it's sinking them to some degree. Lots of time between now and the next election. But when we've seen a real nationalization of elections um, and, and a lot of the times it really hits home here in New Hampshire and tends to swing who wins and who loses. Just lightning round in 30 seconds, as you look ahead to the next round of the, your polling, what are you most going to be keeping an eye on? I really am interested in this number on inflation and worries about the national debt. I want to see whether or not this ad spending increases Hassan's number so she's not uh, underwater. Uh, because then if it doesn't, I think some of these national groups are going to say, we just sunk $10 million or whatever amount of money it was, and it didn't have any effect, and she's still underwater. That could also be trouble. Um, and obviously, a lot of us you know, in the political world are seeing whether or not and, and guessing whether or not Sununu will jump into that race, because then that opens up the governor's seat. It opens up all these other opportunities for people. And who the candidates are, I think, matters much more than almost any other factor. Neil Levesque. New Hampshire Institute of Politics. Thank you so much for all of your insights. Thank you, Matt.